Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day, and we're glad you joined us here for the conversation. We're exploring the book of 2 Peter and learning what it means to grow in grace. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth. Got my mug for today. It's my trust mug. Love this mug. Really classy. And it's got Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on the backside of it, which are some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. And I sure do love the verses we're studying. We're in 2 Peter chapter 3. And I think uh, last episode we got through verse number 3, talking about the last days. And you and I are living in the last days. And let's face it, living as a believer in the last days is is not an easy thing. Now, I think American Christians, we we have it uh, easier than most, uh, for sure. Uh, I don't know that we know real persecution like some of our brethren do around the world, uh, but that's not to say that it's easy. And we deal with people that scoff at. Uh, they, They turn their nose up to the veracity of God's word. Uh, the promises of the Old and New Testament. And they ask questions like, you know, well, you know, you talk about Jesus coming again. You talk about the end is near. You talk about all these things in the Bible. Where where, where are they? Uh, They're scoffers. And we already saw yesterday that scoffers are generally motivated by their own uh, lusts. They're, they're motivated by their own desires, what's in it for them. And, and watch what questions scoffers ask. So we're in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 4, where the Bible says, well, look at verse 3 just to put it in context. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. Now, now consider this, verse 4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So there it is. There, there's the scoffing. There are the, the words of doubt. So, so what do they say? Look at it again. Verse 4, where is the promise of his coming? You, know, you Christians talk about Jesus is coming again. You talk about uh, the, the coming of Messiah, the setting up of the Messianic kingdom. You talk about uh, Jesus Christ coming and making all things right. I mean, where is that? You talk about it. You've been talking about it these for the, all these many years. In Peter's day, it had only been really one full generation. But now as Peter is becoming an old man, he's already hearing the scoffers. And no doubt people that, that knew Peter or knew of Peter are mocking him and scoffing at him. Oh, you have lived your whole life for, for this Jesus who said he's coming. Well, where is his coming? I thought he was coming back for you. I thought he was going to set up his kingdom. Uh, things aren't getting better. They're getting worse. Where is he? Uh, that kind of mocking tone. Where is the promise of his coming? Then it says this, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So part of their scoffing is nothing is, everything is the way it always has been. Everything is the way, there's never, there never is, the world is as it always has been. You know, ever since uh, 
the time immemorial we've dealt with what we're dealing with now and your new Christian doctrine and your new promises of the coming of the Lord, it doesn't change anything. This is just pie in the sky. It's not to be believed. So how do you answer that? Uh, How do you answer a critic that says, you know, people have been talking about this for thousands of years. It's not going to happen. People have been people have been claiming this. You know, you're no different than every other generation that looked for it, that looked for it and never came. What makes you think this is true? Well, watch how Peter answers these scoffers in verses five and following. Very interesting. Second Peter chapter two, three and verse five. For this, Peter says, they willingly are ignorant of. What a statement. For this, they willingly are ignorant of. You know, sometimes we choose to be ignorant. Sometimes we we choose not to know. And the Bible says there's a willing ignorance. This really reminds me of Romans chapter 1. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So, in other words, they knew God, but they glorified him not as God. And because they rejected what they knew, uh, they were deluded in their thinking. See? And so it began with a decision to reject what they knew about God. And the Bible says something very similar here. For this they willingly are ignorant of. Uh, What is it? What are they willingly ignorant of? Verse 5. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So the very first truth about which these false teachers are are willingly ignorant of is the truth about creation. This they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Uh, How was creation effected? Through the word of God. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, right? That's John 1.1. In the beginning, uh, let there be light, God's word. That's the catalyst for creation. And so it's by the word of God that matter exists. It's by the word of God that this universe is here. And these same scoffers are willingly ignorant of that. So if they'll deny creation itself, then of course they're going to deny the coming of the Lord. If they deny the Lord that created, they're going to deny the Lord that's coming. So number one, they are willingly ignorant of creation. But that doesn't remove the fact that it's here. Just look around you. Look look at this world. Look at the design. Look at the solar system. Look at the stars at night. Consider the very smallest thing you can see through the most powerful microscope. Consider the very farthest thing you can see with the most powerful telescope. Everything speaks to God. The the human genome, all of it. For a person to say there is no creator, for a person to say there is no designer, is to be willingly ignorant. You can't, you, you can't, you, you've got to decide to be ignorant because the, the evidence is simply overwhelming. So they are willingly ignorant of creation. But then the Bible says in verse number six, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word 
are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So what's the second episode, I guess, uh, in history of which the scoffers are, are uh, willingly ignorant? Well, creation, we ta- saw that, but then the flood. Because the Bible says in verse number six, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. So they deny the fact that God made everything. And they denied the fact that at least at one time, God destroyed everything, this whole world, except for Noah and his family. Uh, they, they, They are willingly ignorant of that. And is it not interesting today that those are the two things that skeptics will point at Christians and say, oh yeah, you believe in creation. Oh, you believe in that flood, don't you? Is it? Isn't it not interesting that the, the, the same issues with which Peter was dealing 2,000 years ago when it came to scoffers and skeptics are the same issues with which you and I are dealing today? And yet the scoffing comes from the same source. I don't want an authority in my life. I am unwilling to yield to his eternal power and Godhead. I would much rather believe that I'm the product of my own devices. I'd much rather believe that I'm even the product of of random uh, of, of random things or natural selection because that way I have I have no moral culpability, right? So what we're dealing with the exact same kinds of issues that Peter dealt with all those many years ago. They denied creation and they denied uh, the flood. But the Bible says the same word of God that was uh, catalytic in creation, the same word of God that was instrumental in uh, the sending of the flood, that same word of God is the word of God that has promised us the coming, (coughs) the coming of Jesus. And the, 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 the bringing about of a new heaven and a new, new earth one day. And all things that will be made new. So if we can believe God that he created, if we can believe God that he was the God that destroyed the world in a flood, then we can believe God when he told us that he's coming again and a new world with him. We can believe that too. That's the argument that Peter is making to these believers. I want to stir you up, he said. Uh, your pure minds. It's not that you've rejected God. It's not that your thinking is wrong, but sometimes we forget. We become sedentary in our thinking. I'm just trying to stir you up. I'm trying to challenge your thinking to say you can trust God and you can trust the word of God, the holy prophets and the commandments of, 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 the, of, of the holy apostles. The word of God is true and you have every reason to believe that everything the Bible says about everything that's future is entirely 100% trustworthy. Look at verse uh, number eight. I love this. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So here I think the Apostle Peter helps our thinking because one of the, one of the reasons I think that we sometimes struggle with doubt is because we, we put God's promises on man's timetable. And God's promises don't belong on man's timetable. No, God's promises belong on God's timetable. Uh, but as, as mankind that are so bound by time and space, 
we can see things as being like, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. And what Peter reminds us of is what the Lord told us himself back in Psalm 90. And that is that a thousand years with the Lord is as one day. God is not... God is not on our timetable. It's not to say that somehow we we use the formula that every day counts as a thousand years. So, you know, the Old Testament had 4,000 years and the New Testament has had 2,000 years and the millennial kingdom will be 1,000 years and that's seven, seven days, that's one week. So Jesus has to come back any moment now because of the fact that a thousand years equals one day. No, this is not some kind of a formula. No, not maybe. Maybe we'll look back at it and say, wow, that was really um, kind of cool how that all worked together. But we shouldn't read this as a formula per se, just simply as a principle. And the principle is God's timetable is not your timetable. And we should not get upset when things aren't happening according to what the, the timetable we think they ought to be happening. I think that's a good principle for things in life. I think that's also a good principle for our whole generation. Will Jesus come back our generation? I hope so. Should we live like it? Absolutely. Could Jesus come back today? You better believe he could come back today. But if he doesn't, should we lose hope? Of course not. Because the last days, have we've been walking along that edge for 2,000 years. And the promise of God's word is no less true today than it's ever been. We're, matter of fact, we're even one day closer to its fulfillment. And what do we have as confidence in that promise? The fact that God gave his word and the whole world came into being. Look around you. You'll see the promises of God are true. Look at the stars. Look at the trees. Look at the mountains. God's word is true. And then God's word was true in the flood and in the preservation of Noah and and mankind. And God's word will be emphatically and irrefutably true yet again when Jesus comes again and ushers in that whole next stage. Now, we'll talk about that next episode, but we're done for today. So thanks again for listening. Appreciate your faithfulness. Looking forward to jumping into, uh, oh wow, a very familiar verse tomorrow, verse number nine. Hope you'll be here for that. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.